the Spot Track Podcast, talking sports contracts, the salary cap, and business of sports. Today's episode of the Spot Track Podcast is brought to you, as always, by The Athletic, our sports subscription news site featuring so many of the writers you already know, local and national. You can now get 40% off your yearly subscription going to theathletic.com slash track. That's theathletic.com slash S-P-O-T-R-A-C. My name is Mike Giannetti. Happy Thursday afternoon. It is NBA trade deadline day. It is the day after the, we think, Mookie Betts trade. We're going to get into both those things pretty deep. We're going to bring in Cousin Dan to talk some baseball, break down the trade that we think is going to happen. Again, there's a bit of a holdup here with the medical examination of the Twins prospect. Uh, Dan's got a lot of great thoughts on that, including some fantasy implications. And then we'll bring in Scott Allen, the NBA side of things. He's been cranking away at these you know, maybe not as many trades as usual, but certainly impactful trades across the league, including a big one from Golden State in Minnesota. He's got all the numbers included with that. So we will get going on this. Let's start. Happy to be joined now by Tracks NBA expert, Scott Allen, who has been feverishly cranking away at the keyboard. Uh, <laughs> this was a big one. Uh, we've yeah. had some, you know, I, I mean, look at the NBA has, you know, this isn't new for the NBA free agency and the trade deadlines. They're, they're, they're heavy. And there are notable names and superstars and first round picks being tossed around like they don't matter. But uh, this one just seemed a little heavier. It was kind of bang, bang, bang for 25 minutes there. And I guess we should start with the Warriors. Is that an easy place to start? That uh, The Warriors-Minnesota trade, that's been rumored for a week. Uh, it happens. It happens almost exactly as they said it was going to happen with De- D'Angelo Russell going to Minnesota to align with Carl Anthony Towns and the Warriors taking a flyer on Andrew Wiggins and a couple of really nice picks to go with it. Your thoughts, how does the money look for this? Who's the winner? Is there a loser? All of that good stuff. Yeah. So, uh, the one thing that the Warriors are going to have to do is they're going to have to sign some people because with this trade and the trade that they had, uh, earlier today with sending Burks and Robinson out, mm-hmm. uh, their roster is kind of depleted right now. So they're going to have to make some moves here and sign some people pretty quickly. Um, bio candidates but, now, right? Uh, yeah, definitely bio candidates. As far as the numbers are concerned with this trade, um, it, it was relatively even golden state. Um, they added 2 million Minnesota lost 2 million, uh, in the trade, but, uh, golden state gained some picks to help them in the long run. Uh, some think Wiggins might fit better than Russell was. And Russell goes to a team where towns really wants to win and really wanted, uh, uh wanted Russell on the team. So Minnesota sort of had to pay to get that. What, what's Wiggins contract situation. This is not about 2020. I mean, their, their season is done. This is about bottoming out this year to get ready for the return yeah. of Curry and Thompson next year. So now we can add Wiggins to that, you know, that big three of Green, Thompson, Curry. Uh, how long is Wiggins under contract? Yeah, it, it, this year plus three more. Yeah. So he's signed through 20, 2022. Um, so he's got uh, this year, he, he's making 27.5. So the Warriors only have to pay a portion of that with what's remaining of the season. And then he has salaries of 29 and a half, 31 and a half and 36, uh, 33 and a half. Hmm. So, uh, on top of with Curry and Thompson, I mean, that's your 
quote unquote yeah. big yeah. three. Yeah, right I mean, now. this is your this is your Durant replacement, financially speaking, huh? Yeah, yeah, same same position, mm-hmm. um, and now we'll just see what happens as far as like you said, the buyout candidates if they're going to get that or they're just going to sign some uh, minimum salary guys and go from there. So explain this because they do have three roster spots as you, as you predict here, they're also hard capped. Is there any limitation to what they can do now? Or is it pretty much going to be veteran minimum contracts no matter what? And that's all they can do, right? Yeah, pretty much. That's all they can do because they can't go above and beyond that, uh, that hard cap. Uh, I'm pulling up their roster right now. Yeah. I mean, look at, this deadline deal for them in, in or out, this was essentially their only move this year because of the hard cap. Uh, right. Not to mention they're, you know, projected to be the number one overall pick right now. So yeah, they're, they're about, um, let's see. They, they have an exception. Uh, they're non-taxpayer mid-level exception that they can use. Um, they got about five and a half of that. So they could use a little bit on that, but most of it's okay. going to be, uh, minimum salary guys here. Okay. I mean, I assume they're going to need a point guard now. Don't you think? Yeah. Yeah, definitely. Is there somebody out there that can play with Curry next year or is it, is it really just about filling a blank for the rest of this year? I think it's just filling the blank for this year. And then once he's back and you're in free agency, you can do what you need to. Okay. Um, Mm -hmm. Let's move on here. I mean, you, I'll let you drive the car here. I know you've got the numbers in front of you. Um, I, I know the, uh, you know, right at the deadline, we had a really nice deal with the Knicks and the Clippers. The Clippers had a couple of moves here. Uh, they got better on paper. That's for sure. What about their financial situation? Are they, uh, are they pushing up against it now heading into the, the, the back half of this season? Actually, they're looking really good. To be honest, they, uh, they dropped, they're out of luxury tax. Uh, so right now they're not having to pay the bill. They have about, 1.3 million in luxury tax base right now. So, um, and that's they, with all these moves put in, right? You've, you're, you've got that, it up to date. Yeah, I do. Okay. I have it up to date. That's with all those moves. And, um, so they brought on Marcus Morris. They brought on Isaiah Thomas and not that one. Uh, what's that? <laughs> not that one. The other one. <laughs> yeah. Um, so they, they brought on some people, they look much better on paper. It sort of is a uh, lack of a better word, an arms race, Los Angeles Clippers or Los Angeles Lakers was going to get Morris and uh, the Clippers won on that. And so, I mean, I, I don't want to say they're, they're the, no, they're not super, the favorites. <laughs> they're, they're not the favorites right now, but they, they've made themselves better. Yeah. And Los An- the Lakers, they're obviously, they, they didn't do anything. So they're probably in for some sort of buyout with somebody. Yep. Uh, try to get them better because they, they were not up up for moving uh, Kuzma. That was just off the table from what I yeah, he read. Got, he got really good the last six weeks and put a nail in that coffin, in my opinion. Don't you agree? I do. Yeah, he really, he really stepped up. Um Look, the uh, the big thing with the Clippers was getting under the luxury threshold. In my opinion, that's you've got that roster. You brought in those two kind of those two free agents, and you're able to say that financially. Look, there's a team across town who's in the same boat, and that's the Dodgers, who are just did literally the exact same thing the Clippers did, which is bring in two superstars and also stay under the luxury threshold. So, uh, what, I don't know what they're uh, what they're teaching out there, but it is working because the, the rosters well, look phenomenal, and the financial uh, books do too. 
Well, well, they, they were really smart because at first it was just the Clippers and the Knicks doing a trade. And last minute, it seems like they threw in Washington in there to make this flip so that they could uh, essentially move Robinson, which got them below the tax. Otherwise, they would have still been in the tax. So they, they, they did some smart uh, cap manipulation calculations to realize what they needed to do there. Yeah, they, uh, I think they probably ran the numbers on that first version of the trade realized they weren't under yet and then just said, who can we pick on? And of course it's going to be the Washington wizards because you know, they're in, they're in a sinking ship themselves, even though they're a halfway credible team, but you know, no John wall and, and, and that team is sort of in flux right now. So you can understand them helping out this trade to make it all work. Um, well, yeah. And they, and with those two players, I mean, they have the depth now so yes. with, you know, going in this long stretch to, to April, I mean, between George and Kawhi, you have two players that could step in and fill in some pretty decent minutes and make a difference here down the stretch. They, uh, they may not be the odds favorites, but they're deeper than the Lakers. There's no question. They're deeper oh, than definitely. the Lakers. A- absolutely. So when it comes to crunch time, we're going to see how much that matters. And generally speaking, it matters a lot. Uh, look, I would be remiss if I didn't say this out loud, cause it's been a while since I've said it. I think the Knicks did well here. I, I think, I think Harkless and a first round pick for a team that had nothing to offer really. I mean, Marcus Morris was, you know, it's tough to call call him a prized possession, but you're right. There were two LA teams pining for his services. So whenever you've got those kind of suitors, you can, you can generally do well with it. They did. I mean, don't you agree that they're set, they've set themselves up at least to be okay now for the next couple of years with this extra draft pick. Well, the extra draft pick for sure. I mean, we'll see what happens now that they've got their new, their new GM here. Um, it doesn't seem like they wanted to do too much with that influx in bad timing on the organization as a whole. But I mean, that first round pick definitely is going to help depending on where that lands. And I mean, they could package that and move up if they needed to, or do what, do whatever. So, um, I, yeah, I guess, I guess that's my point that, that the pick alone, I mean, a Clippers pick alone, isn't going to help them or is it from Washington? Uh, I believe it's from the Clippers. Yeah. So, I mean, that's going to be a late round pick no matter what. Uh, but you're right. They've got assets to move and they're going to have to move and make some kind of splash to, to put this thing back into charge. Cause there's just a, a stale franchise right now, but kind of good to see them make a halfway decent move here when really the cards were against them heading into the deadline. Uh, what, what's the total number of trades we had over the past day and a half here? Is it about 15? Is that about right? So they ended up with, uh, 12 in the last few days here, total of 17 trades this season, um, which is, which is low. Uh, last year we saw 29, uh, and then the year before that was 18 and then 19 before that. But I mean, this February stint of trades was one of the lowest days in the last five years. Um, so we didn't see as many trades this year. And I was kind of shocked that we didn't see as many. I mean, I know I, I was on record a few months ago when I was on saying, uh, I, I, I think teams may make trades because of the lackluster, uh, free agency coming up, mm-hmm. but yeah, we really didn't see a, a, a a ton of trades, but I think the trades that happened were pretty significant. I mean, with Miami making some trades there and then like we said, the, the Minnesota trade with Russell, 
Uh, we had that four-team trade. Yeah, the Capella uh, one yesterday, yep. Yeah, the Capella one and Covington. So you had a lot of pieces move. I don't know if anyone really got super better on that. Okay, let, um, let, let's let's play off that. So we had Clint Capella go to the Hawks, who are, I, I don't know, improving. I guess I'll stop at that word. <laughs> then we had Andre Drummond go to the Cavaliers, You're right. who are not improving. <laughs> I mean, they're not. And Kevin Love's contract is not going away. Um, what's going on? What, what, I mean, I don't understand the nature of that. Why did that have to happen in the middle of the season? Explain that to me. Do you have any answers? No, I don't. I mean, now Cleveland has Drummond and Thompson and Love. Uh, obviously, one of those, Love or Thompson, most likely Thompson, is going to get bought out. I, Love won't get bought out with how much is left, but Thompson is likely to get bought out unless they decide to just keep all three and, and ride that. But that was a really interesting uh, trade. I mean, I guess if you're Cleveland, you take that trade for the pieces that you had to send back. You only had to send back Brandon Knight, John Henson, and a 2023 second round pick. So, I mean, they, for the most part, for an all-star caliber player, you got to steal, I think, for what you, you sent back. Yeah, Drummond's 26. He's got a player option next year. Thompson's expiring. Love is – they wish Love was expiring, but he's not. Um, yeah, I saw I, I saw a, a really good um, analogy for him. He's like a, a, a really awesome sports car that you're renting for three months. <laughs> Who's that, Drummond? Yeah. Well, I was just about to say, isn't it about getting his rights? Well, they have his rights so they could sign him long term and he'd be a logical you, replacement for Tristan Thompson, right? He would. And you get to do, like I said, a, th a three month trial here to see if he fits, see if yeah. things work out. And if not, and he opts out, then he goes somewhere else or, um, in Cleveland can see how, how the dynamic works. Will the Andre Iguodala situation become popular? Because it obviously worked. He made $9 million to, to sit on a desk at ESPN and talk, then got traded and signed a two-year $30 million extension. I guess I'm, uh, I'm thinking about that right now with Drummond. Why would Drummond go and play for the Cavaliers right now? I know it's a terrible thing to think, but I'm thinking it. <laughs> because he has, it, it, he has no leverage right now. I mean, he could pull an Anthony Davis and just sit and not do anything because now we're past the trade deadline. Yep. Um, but I think the Iguodala one is interesting in the fact that it it started at the beginning of the season, whereas Drummond is now and okay. nothing else can happen. But I will say this, the interesting thing with that trade is the, the extend and trade aspect for Iguodala. Um, Miami gets his rights. They, they now have him for an extra two years. One is a, uh, a team option mm -hmm. that, that they can exercise in that, second year of that contract, but we may see more of these extended trades. They're super rare. I, I really can't tell you the last time I put one in up until these last two days. Sure. Um, but I, I think you may see more of these kind of extended trades when they're capable because of teams trying to 
get around the manipulation of the salary cap and 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 getting the rights. Sort of like we saw a lot in the free agency with all those signing trades. I think we're going to see a lot of signing trades again in the in free agency because there's not a lot of teams with ample cap space. And this is one thing that Miami did. They knew they weren't going to have ample cap space to really sign anyone, so they made the trade and. Uh, they extended him to sure. They let Memphis him sign and, him and then matched Memphis salary in, in trade assets. Right. That's how that works. Yeah. Well, it's based on his salary for this, this year, year, right? 17. Yep. And then they, he's already has that extension applied. So it, it'll hit Miami's cap for the following two seasons. Um, and, and Miami sent out some bad contracts that they didn't really want waiters. Who's been a, Incredible that side. it was traded. It's an incredible. Yeah, I mean, it is. It's. I mean, the guy would have been released if it was humanly possible in the CBA. But it's crazy. Yeah, I agree. And then uh, to save a little bit more money, uh, Minnesota jumped in there to make it a three-team trade here towards the end, and so they flipped James Johnson to Minnesota, and uh, Jiang came back from Minnesota. Um, but I mean, yeah. Miami is a team that definitely got better. They brought on Crowder, Solomon Hill, and depending on what, uh, how Andre Iguodala is as far as, uh, yeah. uh physically in shape, yeah. in shape, is he ready? Um, Miami is deep for the playoffs as well. They think they can win. There's no question. Pat, Pat Riley made these moves because they think they can win the East. So, uh, Obviously, that's one to keep an eye on. What other contenders? I mean, I saw Oklahoma City did nothing. We said the Lakers did nothing. Boston did nothing. Uh, who else? Dallas kind of stood still yeah. for the most My, part. The Bucks did nothing, nothing, but I didn't. I didn't expect them to do anything. No, you don't mess with with uh, what's basically been perfect for them, right? Yeah, uh, I mean, some of these teams don't make usually in season trades like the Spurs. They don't make trades during the season. They right. just do what they do. Um, did the Sixers do enough in your opinion? We've had podcasts basically surrounding the 76ers and their demise, and it hasn't really improved since. Did they do enough? Mm, it's better, but I don't know if it'll be enough. Um, I mean, they, they've, they've had some really bad games here in the last few weeks. These two players were contributing significantly, uh, speaking of Burks and Robinson, yeah. I mean, they, they've contributed pretty well with, um, with the Warriors. So I, they're, they're going to help for sure coming off the bench and in, in the depth going in the long stretch here. If, is it enough to take out Milwaukee or take out Miami? I, I don't know. I really don't. Yeah. If, especially if their chemistry is just way off. I mean, they were down by like 20 points the other night. So I understand them not making drastic moves at the deadline because, you know, they're sort of in the middle of this thing. They're certainly not out of it. Right. We just don't think they might, they have the, the makeup to get to the finish line. But you know, if they don't, as we assume they won't, you make a move in the off season, right? I mean, all these guys are signed long term Harris, Horford, right. Embiid, Simmons, they're all locked in. So it's not like anybody's running for free. So if this thing just doesn't work again, you, you know, they're going to yeah. be the team to watch July 1st when one of these players is probably on the trade block, right? No. Yeah, I agree. Especially with, like I said, the signing trades, one of those players could definitely be a piece where there's a free agent that they really want and they could throw them in as a, 
uh, a trade piece with a sign and trade to someone. So uh, I agree. You you see how the rest of the season is going to go. If for some reason they get bounced in the first round and like uh, being swept or something, then yeah, something's going to have to change. All right. Anything else stand out today outside of the ton of work he had to do? (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Yeah. Like I said, there had, there wasn't as many trades, but I mean, they came all in a matter of two hours this morning was really quiet. And then all of a sudden it was bam, bam, bam. Um, I mean, the interesting thing out of what we really haven't talked about is what is Atlanta doing? They brought on two centers, one, which they've already waived. They brought on a power forward and then a random point guard. I'm not sure they know what they're doing or if they're just trying to set themselves up for next year. So it'll be interesting to see where Atlanta thinks they're going because they made, they made the most moves out of anybody. They had four separate trades here. So, um, that, that's one thing that stood out to me because of where they are in the standings and, um, with that. Yeah. It it feels a little 76 ish right now where they're kind of just plugging players in that they, you know, play on video games and, uh, They're hoping they all kind of work together. I, I, I agree. It doesn't have a lot of rhythm right now in this roster, uh, even just on paper as we look at it like this. Maybe they know something we don't know. Maybe it's just going to be the Trey Young show and everybody else is going to be complimentary. Right. Um, you know, that's essentially what they were doing in Houston with Harden. So maybe Capella knows how to do that already. Uh, outside of that, I, again, yeah, the, to me, it just seems like these are stopgap moves and they're going to figure more out over the offseason when more teams want to play which, ball. Wh- which is completely fine. I mean, they they made some moves to try to make themselves better. And if for some reason things don't work out, then you flip players again. Okay. So let's, let's answer that question. So let's talk about Drummond. Drummond was traded today. When can he be traded again? When can Cleveland flip him? Uh, once the new, well, technically it's to the end of the season. So no, it's only two months, but because two months is, uh, April, what? March, May, April 4th. Yeah. So right. If Cleveland is out of the playoffs, which they are technically, they can make a trade as soon as the regular season is done with another team that is not part of uh, the playoffs. The caveat is the money that gets traded is based on this season up until July or July one aspect. So Yes, he can get traded as soon as they're done with the playoff. They're out of playoffs and the uh, regular season has ended. But those trades are really rare right. uh, because it has to still deal with the current year's money. Okay. All right. So for for better or for worse, we're, we're pretty much locked in until July 1st right now in terms of trades. But it's officially buyout season. Oh, definitely. Um, Evan Turner, maybe Tristan Thompson. Enos Cantor. What, what are we talking about here? Maybe Reggie Jackson out of Detroit. I've heard a bunch of names there. Yeah. Uh, anyone I'm missing? No, I, I've heard of some other names that aren't in the league right now. Darren Collison, right. J.R. Smith. So there's some some floater guys out there that we may see sign with some teams that have some space. And um, what kind of what but, kind of players are the Lakers looking for? Because it's clear that they're looking at the buyout here. Yeah, I. I mean, not so much names. What do you think positionally they need? Do they need a shooter? What are they What are they looking at right now? Yeah, I think a shooter and potentially 
uh, a point guard up, upgrade to a point guard. Yeah. yeah that's what I was say. I was kind of surprised Ron, they didn't move Rondo to try to upgrade that position. I know they like Alex Caruso a lot, so I wasn't surprised that they weren't going to move him at all, well, but I was kind of surprised Rondo didn't get moved for just a, a potential upgrade. Even, even with like Isaiah Thomas from the wizards or something, even though the Clippers got him, but, um, I, I would say point guard or a definite like wing shooter. Well, I, I realize that it's, it's, a little crazy, but is Rondo a buyout candidate? I mean, they're going to have to free up a roster spot, right? Yeah, they could. I mean, he's on a minimum, so buying him out isn't going to be very much. Yeah, um, I think that's a that's an absolute upgrade they need to make. They need more depth at the point guard position. They can't just let LeBron do this thing the whole the whole way. Um, and Rondo's yeah. lim- minutes have been ineffective. I mean, that's probably the nicest way I can say it. <laughs> yeah. And they've, they've been lucky with the big guys. I mean, McGee and Howard have really filled in nicely behind Davis. So yeah. they do not need any big guys. Uh, I would say they definitely need some, uh, shooters and point guard to move forward, but we'll see if they just stand pat or if they wave or buy out one of these lower salary guys and bring somebody else in. I think Reggie Jackson's a name to keep an eye on. I really do. I think Detroit clearly just made a statement today with the, with the Drummond trade that, you know, the current, the current situation is over and they're going to start, they're going to start from scratch. I'd be very surprised if they didn't buy him out and let him go play for a contender. And I think the Lakers would be all over that. So to me, that's the one to watch. Anything else? Yes. Uh, overall numbers, some, some, uh, teams that got themselves in trouble next year, things like that. Uh, some teams got, got some help. I mean, Houston is, I believe below the luxury tax. So they actually, again, incredible. uh, yeah, incredible. So they're looking good. Um, let's see, like I said, golden state, they reduce some, mm-hmm. uh, some space. How about OKC? They, I know, I know they, they did nothing, but where does OKC stand? Cause this is a team that we thought was going to be sort of just, you know, ripping it all down and then using these first round picks. And it's not that they're legitimate playoff contenders. Yeah. I was kind of surprised Gallinari didn't move in a way. I mean, he'd been rumored a lot in the last few weeks here, yeah. but I think they really like their team. They Me want too. to ride it out. And I think see. they were asking for the farm for him because they actually like him a lot. Right. Right. He was really rumored with Miami hmm. and I think my, uh, they wanted whatever they could. I think it came down to first round pick protections and, um, which I can't imagine them getting another first round pick, but, yeah. uh, I think they're playing such good ball right now that they want to write it out, see where they can get in, into the playoffs. And, and, and then in the summer, if they got to move somebody, then they move somebody and they go from there. But right now they're looking at, uh, they're slightly over the luxury tax. So right now they have to pay about 2 million for their tax bill, which is there a buyout uh, candidate there? No, I I don't see a buyout candidate. Um, no. And then some other Minnesota is about two million over the tax with the moves that they made. Um, like I said, golden state's going to have to sign some players to get their roster up. And, uh, we said the Clippers were out of the tax as well. So, I mean, those are the, the right. big that made some moves. So well, let's end on this perfect timing. Uh, right on cue here. Andre Drummond just tweets out 
If there's one thing I learned about the NBA, there's no friends or loyalty. I've given my heart and soul to the Pistons, and to have this happen with no heads up makes me realize even more that this is just a business. I love you, Detroit. Sounds good, Cleveland. Enjoy <laughs> it. Wow. <laughs> Enjoy yeah, it. I had, and I just saw a tweet that says there will be no buyout for Tristan Thompson from uh, David Aldridge. Yeah, so Rich, Rich Paul doesn't do that stuff. So they're they're playing three bigs in it's gonna be in Cleveland. They're gonna be long in Cleveland. <laughs> All right. They're they're the complete opposite of Houston right now. All right. Thanks for the recap, Scott. We'll be back soon. Yep. All right, pleased to be joined again by cousin Dan. Cousin Dan means baseball. Of course, we're gonna talk baseball this week. Boy, one of the uh more notable offseason moves we've had. Yeah, uh, boy, I don't know. <laughs> One, one of them ever. When, when you break down the numbers of Mookie Betts, and, you know, we've done that on the surface here, and let's just talk war. This guy's the second highest war over the first six years of his career that we have right now. And the only guy ahead of him is Mike Trout, and you can understand that. But this guy is is number two on a lot of lists right now, I think, and he's going to a team that was already outstanding, and this is an all-in move for the Dodgers. Dan, welcome to the show. Let's get your initial thoughts on this trade. Yeah. Good to be here. Thanks for having me on again. Um, yeah, kind of, uh, shocked the baseball world with this one. I mean, not in terms of, um, it, it, um, I mean, it was rumored for quite a while, so it's not a surprise in that manner, but, uh, the fact it finally happened and to see the return package and everything, um, pretty, pretty crazy. Yeah. The, all right, let's, let's get to this question now and then we'll, we'll break down some of the pieces of this after that, but where are we with Boston on this move? I mean, we've kind of had 24 hours to digest this. And, and to be quite honest, we're recording this about noon Eastern on Thursday, and there's a hangup. Um, it sounds like the, the Twins prospect has a medical issue. So this thing is not official by any means. So we are, we are sort of spitballing based on the reports. Uh, but like I said, we've had 24 hours to digest this, to listen to some of the other, uh, you know, the locals and things like that. Where are we with Boston in this move? It's a great question. Um, I, I think, you know, our initial discussion when this first happened was kind of blown away that, that, um, the, the Red Sox did this and and rightfully so. But I I mean, once we've had a little time to marinate on it, that it's, it, it's a smart move in certain ways. Now before Red Sox fans, you know, lose their cap over it. Um, I, 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 I will sympathize with them. Not that they need our sympathy, but um, you know, to lose one of the best players in the game, a fan of a team whose owner is worth $2.6 billion and has, you know, sports interests all over, which are extremely. um, Yeah. It's not a small market. Dan. It's just not, of course, of course. And I mean, he's got, He's the owner of a English premier team yep. and, a, and a racing uh, company. So I, I, that part of it doesn't sm- pass the sniff test if they were indeed trying to get under the luxury tax. So, um, I mean, that part of it for the Red Sox, I, I don't really if I were a fan, I, I would I would hate that aspect of it. Now, if you back up a little bit, the package they got and the things they accomplished with the deal, mainly, I mean, David Price's contract getting off the books with that. It, it does open a ton of flexibility for them. Um, I, I mean, it gets them way under the luxury threshold. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, you do give up that's perhaps the second best player in baseball. Um, but I, I mean, you do, 
in terms of the utility of the trade, it did have a function and it did, it did work out. And now, I mean, you got Elk Verdugo in this, in the, in the twins prospect who's, who's, Hmm. you know, causing a little snag in this. Yeah. I mean, it, it is a nice pack. It is a decent package in return considering, but um, I, I think as a Red Sox fan, if you were dealing Mookie Betts, you expected to get blown away. <laughs> okay. Yeah. That's the point I wanted you to get to. Um, look, it's a rental deal, right? I mean, right. I, I understand he is who he is and everything you said is correct, but this is a one-year contract. That's what you're trading. You're trading a one-year contract. And Oh, by the way, you're throwing in $48 million of David Price with this contract because reportedly Boston's going to eat half of the 96, so Do- the Dodgers are taking out another $48 million. So you can't send a rental player and $48 million of another contract and expect to get, you know, a dump truck worth of prospects back. It's just not how business works right now. So, uh, you know, I'm with you. I'm, I'm, in, I'm in the middle of it. It's kind of a catch-22 situation because... Um, and look, we discussed this this morning a little bit, or I threw it out to you this morning, and we're dynasty baseball players. And I think a lot of people who listen to this podcast are probably some sort of dynasty fantasy player, whether it's football or, or baseball. We discussed last year if this trade was coming, because with, with two years left on this contract or, or team control, that's where you get your massive returns. That's where you get franchise-changing prospects for major players. I mean, and that's not what the Boston did. They decided to hold on to them. They had a disastrous 2019. They're now where they are now. And you can understand this move from a business standpoint, but sure, from a fan perspective and, and from a, from an ownership perspective, right? I don't know that it's justifiable, but Verdugo's fine. He's fine. I, I mean, we kind of know what he is, right? I, I, is the ceiling way bigger on Verdugo or do we kind of know what he is, Dan? Um, I think there's meat on the bone there. He, he never really did get, I mean, last year he did get some regular playing time in, in LA, but, um, he, LA is always mixed and matched outfielders yep. and had guys who can play, you know, Cody Bellinger can play first. And, you know, so they, they've been, they, they've sort of Frankensteined it together there. So I am looking forward to him getting, you know, a regular playing time at what should be a prime spot in a very good, still very good lineup in Boston, even without Mookie Betts, they have a lot of young talent there. So, um, I am excited to see what he brings. He's, he's also a really good outfielder. I've seen some people, you know, think his best tool is his arm, which he does have a cannon. So I, from that perspective, I think there is, um, there, there is some upside we haven't seen there. Now, again, is he going to reach Mookie Betts levels? Uh, I, I, I would not want to put my name on that, but I do like Alex Verdugo quite a bit. He's under team control for a while. He'll be cheap for a while. Um, so, you know, uh, again, from that business standpoint, I do think it was, uh, he, he's a nice player to, ha- to add. Yeah. He's under team control for five more years. <laughs> I mean, this is essentially a, a rookie. This is a rookie coming over, uh, basically starting his career. Now he, you're right. He was a bit of a platoon with the Dodgers and they just had too many, uh, too many horses in the barn over there. So you can understand that they were looking, they were probably looking to shop him no matter what. And they just happened to stumble upon a situation where Mookie Betts became available. One more question from Boston's side of this, because look, the Yankees are the class of the, of the AL East. Nobody is arguing that they were last year. They got better this year, right? Am, am I wrong in saying that? No, no, absolutely. Okay. Absolutely. And, and, it, and just to piggyback on that, the team context of the Red Sox from, 
this offseason to last year following their World Series, they look way different. I mean, their their holes were definitely exposed in, in 2019, in my opinion. So, you know. So you're going the same place I'm going. They are, are exactly. they're in a bit of a rebuild here, correct? Even though they have these five, maybe four to five guys in this lineup who look great, right? And they still have Chris Sale. Uh, you know, the, there's some players on this roster, but in terms of their capability to contend, they are not available right now. Would you agree with that? Um, I would not just because of the offense alone, I wouldn't want to totally rule them out, but your point is dead on. The Yankees are the class of the entire league, not only the division, the league. And um, I mean, the rate, the rays look to be right there and in Toronto, maybe not this year, but looks to be right on the cusp of um, doing something pretty special. So I I would totally agree with you there that uh, I I think there was a little self analyzation in this move too. That's, you know, not quite being talked about as much. So, so here's the point I'm, I'm trying to make. Let's say that they're trying to rebuild on the fly, which of course they should be. They're the Boston Red Sox. There should be at no point in time where they have to break it all the way down to build back up. So who are you going to build around? <laughs> that, that's the question I can't get out of my head after this move because I'm looking at this roster and Chris Sale is going to be 32 and J.D. Martinez is going to be 33 and he's probably gone after this year. He's got another opt-out available. Benintendi is 25. He's young. He has a ceiling. He is, he has not progressed. He just flat out hasn't progressed. He's been the same player for two years. Right. I think we know what we got. I, I think you've seen pretty much his, um, his ceiling and, and to, you know, to confirm that point, I, I think Ben attendee is what we've seen over the last two years. So, so here's the three names I'm going to poise to you. I guess maybe there's four and you tell me if these four players can be the future of the Boston Red Sox. And if they can be, then this trade was absolutely okay. Xander Bogarts, Michael Chavis, Raphael Devers, and Alex Verdugo. That, those are the young kids who are going to make this 40-man roster right now. Right. Um, I love – I like all of those players. I think – I think you would probably eliminate Chavis as a core player. I mean, I know he had a great, um, you know, he, he came into the league red hot and had a great couple months, but um, he did cool off towards the end. Not to say he won't be a big part of their plans moving forward, but um, I wouldn't necessarily want to lump him into that, but I think you're dead on with, um, um, with Devers Bogarts who are both still quite young and um, now adding Verdugo into that. That's a really nice core, um, you know, at the top of your lineup. So yeah, I, I'd, I'd agree with you there that those are the three guys I would, I would, you know, I, I guess we would have thought moving Mookie Betts would have been shocking, but um, you know, now if one of those three guys gets moved as a follow-up um, yeah, I, I don't know where you go from there as a, as a Red Sox fan. Okay. I'm still not convinced. <laughs> I'm trying not to poke too many holes in this because I understand this clears day from a business standpoint. I understand. Look, they just didn't want to shell out $375 million. That's what it's going to take. Okay. He wants 400. They've already offered 300. There's going to be a compromise that swings towards bets. That's, that's what the Dodgers are going to have to do now. That's just life with these superstars. Um, I get not wanting to do that. What I don't get though, Dan, is you do have Benintendi. You do have... Avaldi, you do have Jackie Bradley, Bradley Jr. You do have JD Martinez on this roster right now, which who are essentially veteran versions of the players that I just mentioned, positionally speaking. Okay, <laughs> couldn't you have just packaged 
all of those players or some of those players with David Price to get Price out of here, and you would still be under this tax threshold. I have the Red Sox $16 million under the threshold now on Track. They went way under with this move because bets was so high. I'm just not sure from a financial standpoint, if that's what they're going to tell us this deal was about, finances, I, I, I just can't buy that it had to be bets. Bets with those names we mentioned, with Devers, with Verdugo, if you know, if you could have swung a deal with the, with the Dodgers that w- that didn't have Mookie Betts in it, and look at there's a lot of teams that want the players. They they would have been in on Benintendi. Am I wrong in that regard? Um, no, I say he would definitely <laughs> have a market. I mean, half their half their lineup would have a major market. So yes. that, I I I think you're dead on, Mike. I'm actually glad you went back to this because I meant to to make this point um a little bit earlier off something you said, but it it blows my mind that the cost of getting rid of David price was Mookie bats. I mean, that exactly. Is, that's exactly the simplified version of what I'm saying. You should right, not so, have had to do the number two player in, in the American league to get rid of a pitcher. You just shouldn't have right. A pitcher, which I mean, everybody say needs what, <laughs> say what you want about David price. Exactly. I mean, the Dodgers might've just added David price, you know, in a separate deal. If about, if Boston were willing to hold on to some of that money, I mean, you can't tell me David price's career is shot and he's, you know, he's nothing. He's not better than a replacement level pitcher. The so. angels would have traded Mickey mouse for David price. Exactly. There are teams that need pitching that bad. It's just crazy. It's crazy. Right. So I, I am so on board with you there that it blows my mind that they, the cost, you know, for them to, to get rid of that contract was moving the second, potentially the second best player, which makes me think there's way more to the reason they dealt him than, than what they're, they're openly saying. And as using an excuse, uh, using the excuse of the luxury tax. I just, I don't buy it when you're worth so you have so much money. You're in a huge market who is just constantly craving superstar players. You have that superstar player young in his prime in the middle of a lineup that is, you know, already won a world series and still very much ready to go. I, I don't, I don't see why they would have, uh, would have done that unless there were other reasons. Now you saying, Maybe they simply didn't want to pay him what he is likely worth. Now I, I can get on board with that a little bit. If you don't want to pay a guy 35 mil over 12 years, now that's where I'm starting to listen to you, but don't for a minute tell me it's because of the luxury tax. Is Alex Verdugo and, and Gratterall from Minnesota, is that enough to trade him right now? Or should they, should they have just Bryce Harper this and let this thing run out another year and, and let bets have a, have a curtain call in 2020 in Boston? Yeah, that that's that's the question. I think um, only time can tell. With I mean, I mean, if let's say Alex Verdugo is eighty percent of Mookie Betts and Bruce Gratterall, there's a little bit of um, you know indecision whether he'll be a starter long term or a top end reliever long term. But either way, you should get some good value out of him. Um, you know, again, granted this all goes through, but you should get value out of him. So that being said in the context of the business situation with bets needing a deal, I, I, I want to say it is, it was worth it for okay. them to do it. I now, agree with you, Dan. I agree. With yeah. You. I mean, but from a fan's perspective, I'd be mel- absolutely melting down if that was what I was being sold in, you know, in the public. So, okay. Let's quickly switch to the Dodger side of this. Uh, Cause it's actually more interesting, <laughs> right? Here, here's the lowdown from my set of eyes on this. They acquired Mookie Betts. They acquired David Price, half the salary, like I mentioned. They, ha- they have just recently extended Max Muncy, 
three plus an option literally an hour ago. Um, if the trade for Jock Peterson and Ross Stripling comes through to the Angels, which I believe it will, they are going to be ug- under the luxury tags in 2020, Dan. <laughs> All those moves, they're going to acquire a, I don't know, is he a number two pitcher? Maybe not in this team. He's probably a number three David Price, right? So a number three pitcher who's a number two somewhere else. And, you know, this a top five player in all of baseball. And they're going to be under the luxury tax. That's what the Dodgers have done the past three years. That's how, how much of a value 75% of their lineup is. And the extension for Clayton Kershaw, the way it was structured, that's how important that deal was. So many things went, the, went right for, for L.A., except for winning the world series, but that's a whole different argument. Um, they're just, they've just, they're ready for this. They are ready for this. They have built themselves from a financial system to be building up to this point, whether they knew Mookie Betts was going to be available or not. Look, I mean, you're a Cleveland guy. They, they were going hard after Lindor as well. So this was just clearly their year to go all in on somebody. They were identifying maybe three to five players across the league and trying to poach these superstars away from that team. It just so happened they got Boston to bite. But they've done this. Not only have they acquired this talent and these holes that they needed, right? I mean, these are ridiculous additions to their lineup, but they've done so and stayed under the threshold. It's an incredible story. Truly, it's incredible. Yeah, I, I think it's a phenomenal move, Mike. And I'll say this. They gave up the, the players rumor to be in the Lindor package. Yes. Are still with the Dodgers. Yes. And Gavin Lux, I, I Dustin mean, May, they're superstar prospects who are going yeah, to be superstars. Exactly. So that being said, I mean, the Dodgers, after making that deal, they could still technically get Lindor if they wanted to. Now, I doubt that'll happen because of the, you know, the future contract implications of that. But still, if they, if they wanted to sell it and go for it these next two years, it's certainly within their means. That's my only point with that. So, um, yeah, absolutely incredible move on the Dodgers. You've got maybe the best, the second best offensive player in the league for and acquired a, a top end pitcher who, you know, I, I mean, that's leverage to me. Like you don't want to pay the contract for him. We'll take him. We'll make him useful. And oh, he's only good in the postseason, but he's not that great in the regular season. Perfect. Right. We'll take him. Right. And the unspoken <laughs> thing is he's pretty much lived in the AL central his whole life outside right. of a few months in Detroit. I mean, I am buying David price everywhere this year as an NL pitcher on a really good team. I think he's going to, He's going to be, uh, have an underrated year, but, um, that's, that's let's my, finish, let's finish this conversation right there because I did read a little up on this a little bit this morning. Cause I knew, I knew we were going to talk to you, uh, fantasy impact. I'm sure you haven't done the homework on this yet, but I'm going to throw some stats at you and you just kind of hit back at, at where you see necessary David price. So obviously mock drafts and baseball have been happening now for you know a month and a half. We're closing in on spring training. So all these draft sites have data available. David Price is the 80th pitcher being drafted right now in many of these leagues. Um, he hasn't had 100 innings pitched over the over two of the past three years. So, you know, if you're banking on a guy to have 150 innings, may, he might not be your guy. But guess what? He might be, too. He might be because of the, the depth of that rotation, the amount of wins that team is going to put up. He is not going to ha- look. He's not going to go eight innings. That's not going to be David Price this year. So if you're looking for that in your fantasy league, he's not your guy, but a pitcher being the 80th pitcher being selected, uh, you take it and and don't even turn around. Right. 
Yeah, I love I love him there. Um, I I guess there could be some concerns knowing how Dave Roberts uses pitchers that he might get some time in the bullpen or might become you know An they, they play they play games with their rotation and to especially when they have young guys they they try and have them skip a start so I could see him moving to the bullpen for uh, you know a week here a week there um, or getting some innings but I still I, I I think he is there to be a starter um, so at that price yeah I'm I'm in as you know if he's your third pitcher on your your fantasy baseball team I think I think you're doing 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 okay there so. yeah the, there's many of the depth charts that I've seen and look he he's not healthy either right I mean he's got a wrist injury right now there's some there's some question marks already heading into camp but right now most of the depth charts I've seen have it Kershaw Walker Bueller David Price Julio Urias and Alex Wood with Dustin May as the sixth option I mean first of all yikes second of all he's not being curtailed as the fifth option here to me he's in the middle of this rotation from day one if he's healthy so to me it's a great fantasy move like you said he's moving back to the end to the National League um, he's in the middle of this rotation. He's not going to be asked to do too much, but he should just be a solid fantasy option. And I would, I would not stay away from David price. So I agree with you there. Let's talk bets real quick. Um, it's a really interesting situation because he's leaving the green monster. And that's a big conversation from a fantasy standpoint, because he's just not going to have 45 doubles anymore. He, all right. Mookie Betts was a high doubles guy pretty high home run guy, really good average, really good ODP kind of, you know, OPB kind of guy, OPS kind of guy. The only numbers to me that should dip are the doubles and they should dip in succession with an increase in home runs. He's going to a home run park. All right. Players that can pull the ball in Dodger stadium, hit the ball out. They just do. Now you're not going to get the dink and dunk home runs. You got in Fenway in right field a little bit, but it's a home run park. And to me, that's the number that's going to be maximized with Mookie Betts, even if he's a leadoff hitter, which I think you and I both assume he might be right. For sure. Do you agree? Home runs, Mookie Betts. Um, I like it. Yeah. Or, yeah. Or, I, I, or let I, me ask you this, have the last couple of years of maybe inconsistency sort of weaned you off of him as a power hitter. Um, no, I mean, I, I think the, what was it? 2018 or yes. Yeah. 2018 year that, that might be an anomaly, but I mean, good gosh, what, what, what a year. I mean, nothing else really dips. Everything else looks good. Right. Right. Yeah. No, I like him a lot. I wouldn't, I wouldn't change my, you know, projection on him too much at all. Um, I mean, I would defer to some, you know, more of an expert than I am on that sort of thing, but I, I don't really, I can't ding him for anything. You know, the lineup is if not, you know, might be better than what he just came from, which, you know, not many teams you can say about that. So, yeah, the, the number I, I looked at, which is a crazy stat and, I, and God, I love baseball, but some of these stats, I'm sure, you know, this stat off the top of your head, but barreled bat stats, I'm sure you know this, right? Um, yep. The barrel, the difference between pull hitters in Fenway park versus pull hitters in Dodger stadium in terms of barreled batted home runs is about 4%. So they're losing about 4% in terms of bets leaving Fenway Park. In other words, right. when he crushed the ball, it got out 30% of the time in Fenway and barrel bat home runs are only about 26% in Dodger Stadium. So like I said, he's not going to get any cheapies in Dodger Stadium. But to me, this, the numbers are still going to be up. So I, yeah, I wouldn't change too much either. In fact, I might be more inclined because of the strength and lineup he has behind him now. But we'll... Uh, We'll keep up with that. We'll have plenty more time to talk fantasy. I just wanted to get that quick little tidbit in there. 
Any other thoughts? I mean, do we want to talk a little bit about what the second trade might be? Uh, you, you know, we mentioned pitching and, and kind of snuck in the angels there a little bit. I, I know you're kind of big on the opportunity of both Jock Peterson and Ross Stripling heading to the angels, right? Yeah, I, I, I do like that. Um, I like that move quite a bit for them. I, I guess the puzzling part is that Peterson only has one more year, so they might need to sign him or he might just, that might've been a rental, but um, Peterson absolutely mashes righties, but really struggles against lefties. Um, yeah. He's a, he's a competent outfielder. So I think um, even against lefties, his battle, you know, his defense will keep his bat in the lineup. But um, yeah, I like Jock Peterson, um, especially if he's going to get more playing time. The dude can absolutely rake. Mm -hmm. I could see, you know, 30 home runs, no problem there. Um, And Ross Stripling, he might be. I might like him more as a real life baseball player than a fantasy baseball player just because of his role. But um, the Dodgers really, as I alluded to earlier, they used him as a starter. They used him as a reliever. Um, Isn't it the same conversation? They both just need a full-time spot, right? (laughs) Yeah, I I think so. I mean, I stripling is going to be a starter there. I, I, he's under team control for, I think through 2022, Mm -hmm. if I'm not mistaken. And, um, I mean, I like him as a low cost, high upside kind of guy. I mean, yeah. Is he ever going to be the ace of your staff? Likely not, but I I think he provides a ton of value to a team that as we've discussed many times, badly needs pitching. So our friends over at RotoChamp have projected the lineup for the angels (laughs) ready for this. Everything you just said kind of rolls into this Tommy LaStella leading off Mike Trout, that dangerous two hole hitter. Anthony Rendon behind him, Shohei Otani cleaning up, Justin Upton, Albert Pujols, Andrelton Simmons, Jock Peterson eighth, and Jason Castro batting ninth. Right. I like it. I mean, I, I, it's, again, I think their pitching is still a mess even after adding Ross Stripling, but yeah, I, I think that lineup is going to score some, score some runs, serious runs, serious (laughs) runs. Is that lineup better than Boston's? Um, I mean, if we're talking would, wild cards, which I think we would be with both of these teams, angels and red Sox. Yeah. I think depth wise, you might be able to make that, um, in terms of, uh, you might be able to make that argument, but in, in terms of like star power, I'd still take, I think I'd still take JD Martinez, Devers, bat, um, yeah, here, here's your projected there <laughs> quickly. Verdugo, Devers, Benintendi, Bogarts, Martinez, Chavis, Moreland, Vasquez, and Bradley jr. I think it's pretty, pretty similar. Truly. I think those are two very similar lineups. I think yeah, those no, are probably sure. two teams vying for a wild card spot at the end of the year. Here, It's probably about right. Okay. All right. We'll see if this thing gets done. I mean, that's really the most important conversation here is, you know, are the, are the, uh, is the twins prospect going to come through and let this thing close out? Or we're gonna have to redo all of this. Um, we'll see boy. That's, that's the, uh, that's the problem with, with Twitter and social media when these reports hit is, like I said, we've all sort of digested this and had our opinions on it. And how can the teams not be reading as well, right? Or listening as well. So what happens if, if the Twins prospect has to back out of this and this whole deal needs to get done? Are, are, is Boston going to go back to the, the Dodgers and say, we definitely need more now, <laughs> right? right. No, knowing now what you were planning to do with Peterson and Stripling to get yourself financially sound, knowing, you know, just how good this is going to be for you. You got to send us more, right? I mean, it's, it's possible, right? Right. And, and uh, the flip side of that, I mean, 
if if Boston has essentially ruined their their relationship with Mookie Betts there, I mean, oh, all yeah, these, no uh, question. There's, there's 28 other teams in the league that know that the Red Sox just destroyed their relationship, and they're going to come calling with low ball offers. So I totally agree. the The implications of this specific trade. Um, you know, especially with the follow-up trade to the Angels. I mean, you can say those two deals were separate. No, no, but- no. That's what I mean. They've all showed their hands here. Right. That's yeah. What I'm exactly. saying. Yeah. Uh, final. So- final thing, because you kind of alluded to this, uh, maybe involuntarily, but here, here's a final question for you on Mookie Betts. Uh, did the Boston Red Sox need slash want to trade Mookie Betts, or did Mookie Betts Antonio Brown himself out of the Boston this year? Oh boy. Um, I, that's a verb now, by the way. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, I, based on what I've said, I, it's, it's hard just, it's hard to project, but I really think there was more to this situation. Um, I don't think Betts wanted out. I, I think the Red Sox did not want to pay him the deal. They thought they're going to need to pay him now. That's a similar situation to the Indians with Lindor. The the difference is that the Red Sox have endless money and and the Indians are a team that need to operate in that zone where you get value back for players. So um, I, 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 I think it's a terror. I think it's a terrible move for the fan base. I think it's a smart business move. Um, Now, whether it was the right move, I guess, I guess we'll, we'll figure that out. Only time will tell. Thanks for joining again, Dan. We'll talk to you soon. Thanks. Good to be on. Thanks. All right. My thanks to The Athletic. My thanks to Cousin Dan and our NBA guru, Scott Allen, for all the numbers and the fun. We'll be back probably next Tuesday, I believe, with Kevin and Paul for our normal show. Thanks so much.